Welcome to Monkey Off My Backlog, the podcast where we exercise our pop culture demons by tackling our media to-do lists one week at a time. I'm your host, Andy, and with me are my co-hosts, Dr. Tessa. Hello. And Sam. Hello. This week, we are covering those little bits of pop culture recommended to us at a low point in our life when we were feeling down and sad. And well-meaning people just wanted us to enjoy ourselves or to take something away from this piece of pop culture to help us out. And these things we blatantly ignored. This week, we are feeling down. I feel like there should be like depressing music here. Yeah, this week, (laughs) and this is uh, one of the reasons why we chose this, dear listener, is because you will be feeling down after this episode, as this is my last official episode as host of the Monkey Off My Backlog podcast. Now... Back to your originally aired programming. Tessa wants to pay for this with an ad buddy. Sam, allegedly, is the biggest art thief in NYC, allegedly. Andy discovers what will later be known as irony. I love that you just blew right past that announcement. Like, <laughs> I mean, you know. It's very sad. We're going to miss you. Yeah, well, you'll, you'll, you'll miss me. I'll miss me. I'll, I'll, I'll miss, uh, I'll miss, uh, Sam's no no I'm not gonna miss Sam's puns um or or sense of humor aimed squarely at me but I I will I will miss you all I am uh, stepping away to pursue my dreams of finishing my dissertation and raising a child those are pretty big dreams mm. well yeah. but you're gonna be with us for two of our spooktober episodes before you officially leave is that correct what 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 episodes spooktober there we go Son of Spooktober. Those episodes. That is correct. Um, and with with that, I know you might be feeling a little weird, a little stressed, but uh, I think Tessa has something that can be recommended to uh, just about anybody. This uh, Tessa, this is the Elijah Wood slasher movie from the first person perspective. No, although it was funny because when I was Googling the series to look up information about it, I forgot to specify series, and that was the first thing that popped up. I am, of course, talking about 2018's limited miniseries, Maniac, directed by Carrie Fukunaga on Netflix. So, uh, this is, uh, has Jonah Hill in it? Is that correct? Jonah Hill, it stars Jonah Hill, Emma Stone, Justin Thoreau. Uh, and uh, Sally Field actually is hmm. in this as well. Hmm. All right. Um, yeah. So, uh, who recommended this to you? Everyone. <laughs> I saw this. I saw the trailer for it when I was just like bumming around Netflix and looking. You know, when you're just like looking for stuff to watch, and like a random trailer pops up, and it's really annoying because Netflix has trailers that are a way too long. But B, I hate the autoplay on the trailers, which I just found out how to turn off. So Wait, you can turn it off? Hold on, hold on. This I is bigger news can. than anything mentioned before. How do you turn these off? It's like a setting on Netflix. I'll have to, I'll, I'll send you the link later. Okay. But okay. like, yeah, they, uh, it was just around and I saw it and I was like, oh, that looks interesting. And at the time I, I liked Fukunaga. I liked what he had done with the first season of, of True Detective and I also, when it came out, I had people in grad school actually recommending it to me. I believe there were two or three people who actually recommended it because 
my master's thesis, which I had completed uh, a year before, had been on madness in and madness and mental health in Alice in Wonderland and Sandman or Neil Gaiman's Sandman. I can't speak today. It had been on madness and mental health in Alice in Wonderland and Neil Gaiman's Sandman series. And so a lot of people, of course, once you once you do something like that, once you have like this focus, people tend to be like, oh, here's some pop culture that's like the focus that you have. So you 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 automatically should like it. So that that's how it was introduced to me as like, oh yeah, you write about this, you should watch this. Okay. Well, um, why did you avoid it? Well, Basically, what happened was, is that I, when this limited series came out, I was in the middle of taking my comprehensive exams. Mm. And as you know, Andy, Mm -hmm. and as Sam knows, the comprehensive exams are a soul-crushing feature of the PhD tenure in which you are basically hazed and your will to live is completely broken. So the way that it works in... The program that I came out of is that you gave your committee your reading lists, you got time to read, and then they email you a series of questions for your comprehensive exam, and you have 72 hours to write as much as you can about those questions and turn them back in. So for that whole weekend in which I did this, I wrote almost 40 pages of document answering these questions. I barely slept. The weather was terrible. I was so stressed out that I was going to say the wrong thing or write the wrong thing. And I was like, do I even understand this question? Am I answering it correctly? Dear reader, I did fine. It was it was completely fine. But afterwards, for like several months, I could not watch or play or listen to any pop culture that required me to have any like kind of deep mental thinking about it. Like I, I couldn't even play the Witcher. Like I was in the middle of playing the Witcher three when I did my comp exams and I couldn't pick it up again for a month because the choices I was making were too high pressure for me. The choices I was making for a fictional character in a game, that was just too much for me. I couldn't handle that. So uh, maniac. Tessa, Tessa yeah. so uh, just, did we ever come to a decision on uh, which of the two women you prefer? Because that is, of course, the decision we were talking about. I don't think it, that was the specific decision. Like even decisions like, where should I go next? What choice should I make in this conversation was, with this salesperson? That was my one attempt at a joke in this episode. That's it. <laughs> I did. It wasn't even I at did Andy's expense. Choose Tris for Damn. anyone who was wondering. But like, yeah, it was just like even Wait, like you the chose smallest who? little things. Tris. Okay. Okay. So the wise my, my little redhead. Yeah, my little redhead. So. Yeah, it's like, it was one of those things where I was just like, the comp exams broke my brain. And like, it took me probably half a year to watch anything that was remotely intellectually engaging. Like, I think I just watched Grey's Anatomy for half a year because I was just like, my brain could not deal with that level of thinking. And Maniac, I knew before I even you know, tried to watch it, which I didn't try to watch it at the time. I knew it was going to be something that was just too much for me to handle at that point. Mm, something that's just too much for you to handle at that point. I have no idea what this is what this is like. <laughs> my my history of watching lighthearted anime over these past 
over these past two years has uh, has no no bearing on this idea at all. I bet you if we made a list of all the episodes, like we could definitely see like, oh, that's where Andy took his comp exams. This is where Andy <laughs> had the baby. <laughs> yeah, you could you could just probably uh, also, you know, be able to map out my my blood pressure with a pretty accurate. Uh, <laughs> So, um, all right. Now, I've I've seen the trailer of this. I have been interested in this, this maniac, right? I, I have to know, one, do they play the song? No, but it's been stuck in my head for the last, like, few days. I Who sings that song? Michael Cimbello. Okay, yeah. But no, seriously, every single time I think about this show, all I can hear is, maniac, maniac. Yeah. Sorry for everyone who just had to listen to me sing. Uh, well, uh, sorry for them to get that out of their heads because now it's stuck. Uh, now it is stuck. Okay. Now, my by watching the trailers, my opinion, my 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 thoughts was that this was made because Legion was popular. It's quite possible. I actually did make a lot of connections with Legion mm-hmm. while watching the show. It kind of has a similar focus although what it's trying to do is very different than legion so this this series is set in a near future new york where capitalism has like basically taken over everything you can pay for things by hiring an ad buddy to hang out with you for a certain amount of time to read ads at you like it's it's very much like a super capitalist society And basically, the story revolves around a drug trial for a pharmaceutical company where they are trying to basically medicate people out of trauma. Like, they are trying to cure trauma by giving people a series of pills and also using, like, AI brain mapping in order to cure people of various traumatic things that they have. The main characters are played, like you said, by Jonah Hill, who plays Owen, who is a son of a very rich family who has schizophrenia and who has had episodes in the past. He's on medication, but his family is really awful and they keep basically driving him back into relapses because they're awful. And so he joins the drug trial because he doesn't want to take any money from them. And in order to, and, and the drug pil- trial pays really well, I guess I should mention that as well. Uh, The other character that we get a lot of is Annie, who's played by Emma Stone, who is a antisocial loner who has gotten addicted. Like somehow she got access to the first of the pills that they because it's like a series of three pills. She got access to the first one and has become addicted to it. So she basically like blackmails and lies her way into the trials so that way she can get more of that. And as you go along, the show shifts between their two perspectives. We get to see like an episode that's more focused from his perspective and then an episode that's more focused from her perspective. And then eventually there's like an error. This happens fairly early on, so it's not really a spoiler. There's an error in the AI mapping that happens, which connects their consciousness. Mm. And so what follows is a series of hallucinations, basically, that all center around different stories where they both play the leads of the like the hallucination. So it's like seeing a bunch of mini stories work out and all the stories are tangentially related to things that have happened in their lives at one point or another. It's a very very interesting show. 
unlike it, it is similar to Legion in that it kind of has like a 70s vibe to it. Mm-hmm. And it does have like these things to say about mental illness and the way that mentally ill people are treated in society. But unlike Legion, it is far more interested in how capitalism goes about trying to solve mental illness and the ways in which mental illness can be commercialized. And so, and it has a lot to say about trauma too. And like, can you cure trauma? Is that something that you want to cure? Like, what do you have to do in order to to cure it? You know, do people want to let go of their trauma? So there's a lot of really interesting questions being asked here, but I do think the questions are different than the ones that are being asked in Legion. After watching this, are you interested in watching the Norwegian original series? Not really, because I did look it up. This is based on a Norwegian series of the same name that came out in 2015, but it's very loosely based on it. Like I read the synopsis of the the Norwegian one and like the only connection is that one of the characters is in a mental hospital. Like there's not there the stories are not the same at all. It's a very loose adaptation. All right. Um so just tell me was was this good? It was good. Again, it's very dark. Um it is very psychological as well if you can't tell from my synopsis. It is supposed to be a dark comedy. I don't like there were some parts that were genuinely funny. I don't know if I would describe it as a comedy. I would describe it as more of like a, a drama or a psychological thriller in some ways. Although some of the characters are very, very funny. I have to say that I found the first couple episodes slow. I was like, I understand why they had to set up these characters, but I wasn't really as interested in what was going on until the pharmaceutical trial started and they like really got into like these different like ways that these two characters connect with each other. That I think was more interesting than like the first couple of episodes. The real high points though are Emma Stone and Jonah Hill. Both of them are so good in this. Like I, these characters are very fully formed. I don't think Jonah Hill gets enough credit for being a wonderful dramatic actor. He does such a great job with this role. They, work together well in scenes it it works very very well in that way so i would recommend it if anything that i just said appeals to you in some way it is not an easy watch for sure it is something that you are going to have to invest some time into which if you know anything about fukunaga's work you know that you're going to have to do that anyway uh to borrow terminology from another podcast this was clearly his blank check show this is clearly he had done True Detective and Netflix was just willing to throw money at him for this show. Sometimes it can come across as a little bit convoluted and pretentious, but ultimately I think Jonah Hill and Emma Stone managed to ground it very well within their their particular characters. So I would say give it a shot. And and it's a miniseries. The episodes are 27 to 47 minutes long. Like you could knock this out in a weekend. And I I have to respect anything that's a miniseries nowadays. Isn't that wonderful when you can just do the half hour? Sam, now, did you did you participate in any of this watching of The Maniac? Nope. Were you at least, like, in the background doing the song, you know, as as Tessa was sitting there watching? You're just doing the song, pumping your legs like you're at an old, uh, uh, what was it? Like, like, like the, the montage, right? The 80s montage of doing the uh, aerobics. I can just see you just, like doing uh invisible stair steps behind screaming maniac maniac no but i probably will later okay good <laughs> good that's 
That's all that matters. Get that song even more firmly embedded into my brain. Okay, well, let's go on to, to the next one, to a, a different color of, 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 um, cr- well, the same color of the color, if I remember the, uh, the costumes correctly from Maniac, uh, based on the trailers. Uh, Sam, you, you did, you did something, something more fun. Much more fun. <laughs> yeah. So I, our in, original intent was for me to pick up where I had left off on the USA show White Collar, but we actually ended up rewatching the whole thing <laughs> up through what I had seen to, I believe, the end of the fourth season. Uh, okay. I had stopped during the third season. Okay. Now, that's correct. first question here, who recommended this to you? In, in this particular case, the who recommended it to me would probably just be the USA Network, simply put. Because, if you recall, the, this genre of shows that USA made were called the, the Blue Sky Shows. Mm-hmm. You know, they were episodic with some serialized elements, but they were all fairly lighthearted. Uh, Monk would probably be the first of this, this brand of television Bird Notice, too, right? Psych was also part of it. And so at that point, I was watching or at least testing out everything that they put out. Uh, I did not watch many episodes of In Plain Sight. Uh, I never watched Royal Pains. But I've seen, as I said, Psych, White Collar, Burn Notice, Suits. trying to remember the other one with Piper Parabo from um, Coyote Ugly and Christopher Gorham. Don't remember. Oh, well, whatever. Anyway, um, I want to say it's Covert Affairs. Actually, I think that's what it is. Uh, <laughs> anyway. You did remember. So so that's that's basically it was uh, part of a brand that USA had that, that I really appreciated. And whatever they put on the air, I'd at least give it a shot. Hmm. Uh, now, I do, I do want to make everyone aware, if you have not seen Psych... What 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 are this podcast's opinions on Psych? Because it's special. Oh, positive, very uh, positive. I'm, I'm Sean Spencer, and I would like to introduce you to my assistant, Sir Quaxalot. Uh, have you seen the most recent movie? I I I, I have I have not, but it opens with a scene, where, and we've been doing this to each other ever since we saw it. But it opens with a scene where Sean does a thumbs up and then points at his own thumbs up. And we've just been making that gesture at each other for like the last couple of months. We are very big psych fans. <laughs> are you ready? I'm Sean Spencer. And this is my partner, Die Harder. I'm Sean Spencer. And this is my partner, Big Head Burton. I'm Sean Spencer. And this is my partner, Bert the Billowy Bear. I'm Sean Spencer. And, <laughs> and this is my... <laughs> I'm Gladys Knight, and you're all of the pips. Yes. Accepted. Gus TT Showbiz. The extra T is for extra talent. <laughs> the um, Ovaltine Jenkins. One of the things Ernest about- Lambert Watkins. Uh, just one of the things I love about Psych is that it's a show that gets better if you look at the IMDb trivia for each episode because there's so much hidden in the show, like there, there's an episode that opens with them talking about the Dukes of Hazard reboot movie, 
and the episode itself is a reboot of their one of their first season episodes for no reason. It's just 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 a fantastic watch. Everyone should watch Psych. It gets it gets much better after the first season when they start doing their own things, but it's great. Well, and I think that actually fits into your theme pretty well, and it brings us back to White Collar, too, is that these are often shows that people comfort watch. Like, they are shows that, like like you said, Sam, are episodic, but they're lightly serialized. They have, like, this certain tone that's very funny. It's very light in a lot of ways. Like, Psych is a show that people watch, you know, like, binge watch over and over again. I think White Collar's the same way. Burn Notice is the same way. Burn Monk Notice, remember, was the number one show on cable television that nobody knew what was ab- nobody knew what it was about, but it was the most watched show on cable TV. And after Fargo season two, I think uh, Don- Jeffrey Donovan, or whoever his, na- his name is from Burn Notice, is like one of the most underrated actors in Hollywood. I love... I uh, Jeffrey Donovan and Bruce Campbell... Were, were great. Everybody on the show was great. But yeah, this, to go to your point though, Andy, like these are shows that people watch when they're down. Like, yeah. 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 So it seems fitting uh, that I watched White Collar. That yeah. you stopped watching was... White Collar. No, well, down. no, it doesn't seem fitting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Why, why'd you stop? Yeah. What, what, what was, what was the, the, the factor that made Sam say, I'm done with White Collar. I'm going to go to Blue Collar Crime now. Ah, uh, Sure. Because on the on the very worst day of my life, which we will not discuss, mm-hmm. but on the worst, like no hyperbole or anything, I decided I'd put on white collar because surely that would cheer me up, right? Mm-hmm. It, it it did not, and then I did not watch another episode for oh what a decade because of association, right? Yes. Yeah, that's what you're getting at. I am getting at that. Mm. Association. Now, did you watch other USA shows during this time? Oh yeah. Okay. Did you watch any of them on the USA Network, or were they all streamed? Like, did did you get to avoid the, um, the the constant trailers and pop up pop ups in the corner reminding you that White Collar airs at nine o'clock on Tuesdays? No, our rewatch of White Collar is the first time I've seen any of these shows, with the exception of the Psych movies. Not on the USA Network. Oh wow! Okay, impressive, impressive. Uh, yeah. So, did okay. We've established that this would not have helped you at your time when you were feeling down. It it would not have. Uh, did this help? Did this help? Or maybe you now? it would have. I don't know. Well, well, when when you have Matt Bomer and Willie Garson like together. But what what is what is the, what is the premise of of White Collar? Uh, I can I can describe it as Catch Me If You Can the show, but what is it really? It is a police procedural sort of, starring Tim Decay as FBI Special Agent Peter Burke, and as you said, Matt Bomer as Neil Caffrey, a world famous art thief who is released into Agent Burke's custody. He has an anklet and they solve crimes together. And the question is, is Neil ever, does he ever go straight? Which since he's played by Matt Bomer, clearly the answer is no. But, (laughs) but over the course of the series, you get to see him become part of it. You know, he becomes a better person. By working with Peter, and Peter becomes a better person 
by working with Neil, hijinks and Sue. We all have a good time. Best friends. Yes, th- this is a best friend show. And and if you love Say by the Bell as much as I did before you realized that Zach Morris was a sociopath, Tiffany Thiessen plays Agent Peter Burke's wife. And then who's Mozzie? Who is Mozzie? Mozzie is played by Willie Garson. He is Neil Caffrey's best friend. He of the conspiracy theories, underground networking, hideouts named after days of the week, and so on. And don't forget about Satchmo, the other Yes, the other character. key... Ma- well, there... Well, now Tessa. There are... Tessa is referring to Satchmo, Peter and Elizabeth's dog, who is an integral part on the show. There are also a couple of recurring characters, or regulars, eventually at some point. Uh, Marsha Thomason, who you might remember from Lost as the person who parachuted in and immediately died, or didn't, whichever, plays a special agent, as well as Sharif Atkins, who, if you watch DR, you'll definitely recognize him as Clinton Jones. And then, occasionally, for a season once, but then other selected episodes, the reason Tessa watched White Collar, Hillary Burton as Sarah Ellis, an insurance investigator. Mm. I love her so much. Yes. I had actually seen most of her appearances (laughs) before I met Tessa. And so she said, oh, I I love Hillary Burton. She's in my favorite show. I'm like, who's that? What else was she on? White Collar. Oh, okay. What about, (laughs) what, what, what else has Hillary Burton been in? One Tree Hill. Uh, a bunch of Christmas movies. She is she her real life husband, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, is Denny in the hospital, Papa Winchester, and Negan. Negan, of course, has a bat named Lucille. Hillary Burton has also played in flashback the real Lucille. Ah uh, that is that what you were alluding to? No, no. I, I actually did not know. I have not seen any um, Walking Dead since season three. So. We have not seen her appearance in, in Walking Dead. But we like but her we so know much. We actually talked about maybe watching those episodes because we just love her so much. You don't you, you, you don't need to do that. You don't need to do that to but she's. I mean, she's a TV regular. I mean, like, One Tree Hill was, like, her big starting role. Uh, she had white collar for a while she was in an episode of castle that i remember like she's just been like on different television shows here and there right and then right. again hallmark christmas movies now now where does this fall in into in the um the leverage psych scale of um i have not seen leverage okay where does but this fall I, but i understand the scale yes so it is closer to leverage okay it it is serious it is played seriously, but it has a sense of humor. Where Psych has a sense of humor. The end. Yeah, yeah. That's, right? Like, I mean, yeah. like, if you're going to watch Psych as a procedural, you're doing something wrong. Right, right, right. Psych, psych is a delightful comedy. Um, now, I watched the first three seasons of the show. I don't remember much except for, you know, the back and forth between Mozzie and Tim Decay and Tim Decay's wife and the the main character. Um, 
I remember it always being fun. I remember it uh, coming on a lot after um, Burn Notice. I will say that the show, it could have been bad because it is relying on the classic like odd couple pairing. Like, oh, you have this serious FBI agent and you have this like rascally art thief that are joined together to solve crimes. You know, it'll be funny. But like, I think these two actors really pull it off. Like they, they're able to do this without it becoming too cheesy or too weird. Like you actually do believe that these characters are real, but that they also have influence over each other. And that I think works really well to differentiate this show from say like other similar shows where they have like an odd couple at the center. Now, I also want to point out the other uh, reoccurring character who I I love on this show. Whenever he pops up into anything as a reoccurring character, he is immediately the best character. And that is Mark Shepard of Supernatural and Firefly and Battlestar Galactica and many, many, many other fames. I hate to tell you this, Andy. He's in one episode of White Collar. No. Yes. Oh, you you know what? (laughs) I, I made the joke earlier, but I'm thinking of him on He's leverage. He's in, like, the first episode. Yeah. See. See. I'm so thinking everybody, of go watch Leverage. <laughs> yeah. They've rebooted it already. Wait, really? Yes. Wow. Wow. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm, yeah, the, they, they, are, they are very much the same show visually. I'll put it that way. Um, and heistily, too, because there's always heists. Yes. Um. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So overall, Sam, how was your experience watching this? Do you recommend it? Like, Well, the thing to remember is the first two seasons and probably most of the third season are the best parts of the show. Like, I, The show begins to lag a little bit. I think it lags not because the premise is outdated, but because they made some of the wrong choices. Um in the overarching serialized narrative. So it's, it's interesting looking at the show and realizing the part where I stopped is where it became creatively less good. I would recommend it. I think it's a great show. And I think the premise of the show carries it through even when the plot becomes not as good. We did stop. We haven't seen the last two seasons yet, or I haven't. Tessa has. And and we'll go back and finish, but but unlike Psych and Burn Notice, it does not quite and Suits. Miraculously, Suits became good after one of the best characters, or sorry, miraculously, Suits stayed good after one of the characters left. Now, arguably, her life did, I don't know, did her life become better or worse after she left? Because, like, good news, she became a princess Bad news. She became a princess. She became a princess. Yeah. Oh, yeah. although there is a psych connection because Gus joins Suits. I'm trying to remember. Yeah, Dooley Hill also joins Suits. It's yeah. interesting. So unlike those shows, White Collar doesn't quite live through its its premise, but I love the characters. Yeah. Hmm. So it's worth are it. So good. I mean, the whole era of the USA Blue Sky shows, like they're fools for moving away from it. Fools, I tell you. Fools. Uh, sad. Give Steve Franks and uh, uh, Easton, Jeff Easton, 
give the just let them make shows like stop micromanaging them let what? let uh james rodriguez have a show like i i couldn't watch uh what is it not a million little things but the show he's doing on abc i couldn't make it past the first season on that i'm i love the usa blue sky people what they have what a special a- place in my heart what 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 are, what are what are they doing nowadays anyway? Well, one of them's a princess, right? But I mean, Bruce I mean, Campbell's what, Bruce Campbell's making what are, Evil what, Dead Seventeen. He's asking about the network. Oh, yeah, the network. Oh, I don't USA. know. USA. What what are they watching? Or what are they creating? I okay, I have no clue. Okay, well, that's fine. They're dead to me. They're dead to you. <laughs> um, okay, well, I guess they died, so they're dead to you. There you go. Just anything else to say about White Collar and the awesomeness? Where did you watch it? It is on Hulu now. Okay. And then it'll be on the Today, USA streaming. I mean, I don't know. Tomorrow it could be on Paramount BuzzFeed Plus. Plus. I don't know. <laughs> BuzzFeed Plus. <laughs> Quibi 2.0. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> it'll be part of a listicle. <laughs> Actually, what will have happened is Kino will have started a streaming service, and it'll be called Kino Plus. All right, Andy, what did you watch this week? What have you done? Um, so or I, read this week? Yeah, I didn't. All I didn't. Right. Uh, I didn't watch anything. This is this is big for me. This is one of the first books I've read for this uh, show, which is fitting because Dune was also. The other ones, I don't, I don't do much reading. We got you to read two books for this podcast. No, I three. Really... You also, he also read Artemis. Oh, three books. Yeah. yeah. No, hey. he watched the movie. No, no, not Artemis Fowl. Artemis. Artemis. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. Plus, plus you, you know what? I, I read some picture books and graphic novels. Um, That's true. That's true. Okay. That's so, yeah. so, yeah. so, mm-hmm. so my own premise has been undermined already. I, I... <laughs> Still. Yes. Still. Uh, if it's anything you. to take away from this podcast, the book that you read is not special. That's right. That's right. Um, yeah. And, so, and what book was that? I read uh, Nick Hornby's High Fidelity. I have never heard of this. Oh, really? You have never heard <laughs> I of am, this? I am uh, unaware of this book. And uh, it's two adaptations. Oh, was it adapted? Yes. I did not know that. Yeah. He yeah, was the one it, who introduced me to High Fidelity. So. Right, right. And the adaptation was not covered on an earlier episode of this podcast. <laughs> no. No. Never. We've never heard of this. Uh, who recommended this, this to you, Andy? Um, my In my in college, my uh, Japanese teacher, uh, Sensei oh. o- Wilson Okamura, recommended this to me. Interesting. Yeah. Why... What does that what does that say about you, Andy? Well <laughs> You'll like this. Well, Again, I know nothing about high fidelity, so I have no idea that this is a setup of a joke. Well, um I was I was I was going through some some, some college breakups at this time. And uh I I I think uh Sensei recommended this to me be to uh tell me to get over my shit. <laughs> All right. This is one way of doing that. Um, yes, yes. She also recommended that I watch 500 Days of Summer, which really... I never th- thought about those two paired together, but yeah, I could see how that would be like 
you need to watch you need to you need to experience these two things and then like come back and reevaluate your life. <laughs> yeah. You need to experience well, these two things and let somebody slap you. Yeah, yeah. Like like um I I was I was definitely reeling from uh one of the worst breakups I went through. Uh and this book, um, if you open it, first of all, I have to say Nick Hornby is a fantastic writer, but the first sentence in the book is just my desert island all time top five most memorable split ups in chronological order and the uh character rob lists his top five split ups in uh in uh chronological order and it's uh it's very interesting that it starts there and how the author goes on to continue to say that the girl who just broke up with him didn't even make the top five she's not that special was so when you read the book, yeah, and you had this this breakup. Just you don't. So we so we don't have to talk about it unless you want to. Oh, I I'm, guess I'm fine talking. But about is this it. like a is is this? Did you find your breakup in Rob's list? Was had you dated a Charlie? Was uh, this a Laura? Was this one of the others? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, there. There's there's one specific breakup that 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 is mentioned, um, where he he Rob describes himself as not even remembering what happened afterwards, just kind of coming to in life six months later, finding he had failed out of college and that he was stuck in a uh, in a kind of a dead end job. Isn't that Charlie? Yeah, that's Charlie. Um, yeah, we've all been we've all had Charlie. Yeah. It was it it was it was uh, a fascinating point in my life where I I had decided a- after I got dumped um, that the way to show this girl who dumped me how important she was to me and how important she would be to my continued life would be to self destruct as hard as possible. So I I do I do not know. Or I do not uh, feel like diving into the weird logic that teenage boys get into when they are dealing with with breakups. But it is a that is a logic though. Like you are not the only one to R- follow this train of thought. Right, and that I think is the reason why this was recommended to me. That you are not. You, this is not the first. You are not the first person to have the these thoughts. You are not the first person to go through these feelings and. This path does not end the way you think it does. But you chose a different path. Mm-hmm. You did not read this book. Uh-huh. And why would that be? I cracked open this book and then read the and then read the thing about Charlie and the breakup. And that hit a little too close to home at that point in time. And I was like, uh-uh. Nope. 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 I'm not even going to entertain a a world where I do not end up with with this girl. I am going to continue to self-destruct. You were at the wrong stage of your grieving process. Yeah. Yeah, I was. So we, we've actually, we have talked about this on the podcast before. This, this book that was adapted into a film, that was adapted into a TV series. Fun fact, the crappy folk, indie folk singer from the film is the mother of the Rob character in the remake. I'm talking about Lisa Bonet and Zoe Kravitz. It's, it's 
cool. It's fun. But you read the book. Yeah. And we know about the book. We know about the story, but we don't know about the book. Would this have helped you? Should you have pushed through? Oh, I, 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 I do, I do not know because um, there are some other things that this character does, the Rob character does, that um, might have encouraged me, because Hornby has a great way of of writing and describing and understanding people and understanding the logic behind them, and one of the things that Rob does is start his uh, his ex-girlfriend, uh, Laura, who just broke up with him, says that, of course, you can call and talk at any time. So he follows up with that. He calls her all the time, constantly. You know, some people would call this harassment. Most people nowadays would call this harassment. Uh, but then he comes to the realization, wait a minute, wait a minute. By doing this, I'm just giving her and her new boyfriend, someone to fight together, right? Some, 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 someone to team up together and to have a, a, a problem. So it, by stopping calling, that is, that is actually the way to do more damage to their relationship. So she'll get back with me. Yes. Cause Ian is a terrible person. Yes. Yes. Um, in, in the book though, Ian's not dived into that much. Really. I do not know about the movies. There, there are so many, in, there, the internal monologue is just so accurate and so beautiful. Um, he even, one of the things that I always remembered about this book, uh, even, you know, oh God, 10 years after um, I was recommended this, uh, this, yep, this might've actually been 10 years to the day of recording. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. Uh, yep. Yep. Uh, one of the things that I remembered, though, was he mentioned how uh, when he was 12 or 13, him and all his friends just discovered what they would later understand to be irony. And that's the the 12 and 13 year olds going around and playing on the playground at night, you know, doing the childish things, but doing them because it was funny and, you you, you know, getting on the merry-go-round and trying to make it as both as dangerous as possible because that's the only way that someone your age can 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 uh can get away with still doing something that they find fun and realizing again that I'm not the first person to come up with these ways of you know the teenage way of doing irony the when Lazzy was with us not for the Hugo episode but the James Vanderbeek episode we we spent a few minutes talking about uh, Nick Hornby, he was part of a group of of writers in in uh, in England around the beginning of the 21st century. It was called Lad Lit. It's the opposite of Chick Lit. And it's that it what you're describing is what it is. It's that attempt to get into the the psyche, the scary dark place that is the psyche of the quote unquote male mind. What is the what? What would you say the point of all of this is of of what Nick Hornby's trying to do? And you know, you said you're not sure it would have worked for you back then. But what was it? Was it was your was your sensei right to recommend it to you? 
Yes, I I do think she was right to recommend it to me. I think that a few of the things that Rob comes to understand throughout the the book, the the basic thing being that oh, maybe you you don't judge people based on what they like and judge people based on who they actually are and that you don't have to have 100% of things in common. And if a girl just happens to like the same things you do, that doesn't make the, that doesn't make them immediately, uh, you, you know, your magical pixie dream girl. That's uh that's very 500 days of summer. In fact, I think his sister actually says in the film, just because someone likes the same bizarro crap you do does not make them your soulmate. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I can I like that. I can see the pairing. I can see the direction of her logic on that one. It's just Rob. Oh my god. She's singing Baby I Love Your Way. But she's doing it ironically. I want to have sex with her. Uh yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I have to say though, um I I've gone through another Nick Hornby book a long way down and Hornby has a very just is able to get into many different characters. He is he, not just able to get into the headspace of, of the male mind. He is able to get into the headspace of a bunch of different, very realistic, very realized characters, which is, is great because this feels so close to being autobiographical at times. And then realizing that, no, uh, Hornby is just a nerdy dude who knows a little bit about music and will go on to whatever the next thing is. But he also wrote wrote a uh, Ben Folds album. So, would you would you recommend other people taking the dive into uh, um, Nick Hornby? So so much much like how much like how Catcher in the Rye should be read by every uh, teenager to tell them that their feelings are not uh, unique and they're not special, and that uh, you know they're not the first ones to think these things. I, I, f- I feel like uh, Nick Horn, this high fidelity should be re- required reading for all like college uh, freshman uh, men, mostly, because, again, you're not special. And I feel like you would also really need to teach irony because they don't inherently understand irony. Yeah. As college freshmen you, anymore. Yeah, you're, you're 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 right. This could very turn very well turn into a Walter White is the hero situation. Um, right. Yeah. Uh, but because I mean, it is kind of a treatise on toxic masculinity yes. in a lot of ways, y- and so I think that sometimes people can misunderstand that because this was written in a very different cultural moment than we are in right now, where people like to take things at face value. <laughs> this is yeah. not a book you should take at face value. Yeah, yeah, it, uh, it's so it's so hard to describe it. It's so hard to accurately depict one how. I mean, around page eighty. When, when when Rob is discussing all these breakups and he's so brutally honest about the reasons for these other prior breakups that you kind of take him at his word that that there is no good reason why his current girlfriend, Laura, broke up with him. And you find out later, no, there, there were some very good reasons why she broke up with him. And, and that, that reveal like reminds you that even to himself, he's an unreliable narrator. Um, so there, there, there's so much. Just there. because someone's mean to themselves doesn't mean that they're trustworthy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh man. So anyway, 
absolutely um, a, an insightful book. I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. Sensei was very right to recommend it to me, especially since um, she was the one who was, who was privy to both my problems and the, um, the problems of the girl who dumped me. <laughs> oh, that's fun. Yeah. You like to see it. I would, by the way, I would recommend to you yes. and to everyone else Nick Hornby's second book after, or second novel, I should say, after High Fidelity about a boy, which was turned into a great Hugh Grant movie, although they changed a big part of the book that I didn't like so much. But What about the TV series? Uh, uh, didn't, have, didn't have Minnie Driver in it? I don't recall if that happened. But it's it's a really good second novel. It's about uh, a, a, like a middle school age kid who is really awkward, has a has a weird mom, and he befriends two people. One of whom is a thirty six year old bachelor whose dad like wrote a famous Christmas song, so he just lives off the royalties. Desperately wants to be left alone by everybody, and the girl of my dreams, Ellie. A, a high school student who loves Kurt Cobain and is trying to deal with the fact that he just died. Like, like all I wanted when I was a child was for an older girl to come along and teach me things. This, this is, this is as much as high fidelity was a, was a, was a thing many people live through about a boy was what I wanted to live through. It's, it's good. I would recommend it. Interesting. Interesting. Again, having never read Nick Hornby or heard of anything he ever did. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, this is all conjecture on your part. I, yeah. I'm guessing. <laughs> so, so, so funny. Uh, About a Boy was developed into a sitcom starring. Um, oh, Mini Driver. Yeah. Is that right? Yes. Yes. Mini Driver and uh, Al Madrigal and a few others. And much like. Um, much much like a previous topic on the show um wait robert de niro was an executive producer on it yeah people can't figure out how to do nick hornby stuff i guess or or how to cast mini driver in something i don't know these are problems we shouldn't have uh anyway the show was canceled kind of unceremoniously but yep um yeah. That was the High Fidelity show, which was very good. Yep. The one with Zoe Kravitz. I I mean I would recommend that first season again to anybody. Have you who's have you No, no, since I haven't seen the movie, was was the movie a good adaptation of this book? Oh, it's so good. Okay. It's it's, you know, if you think that High Fidelity is full of faults, I mean, I think it's full of faults, but I think it's full of good things too. I think there's definitely a spectrum here, but the movie contains all of the things. It is a very solid adaptation. Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Uh well, I guess I guess this is kind of kind of the end of uh of my tenure here. As I go oh, seek tenure elsewhere. Sad air horns. Sad, I have a different sad, kind of tenure. Sad air horn. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I don't I, even know. Sam I, is way too proud of herself for that one. I just can't get over the um, the, uh, the the death of the queen so much that I, I just have to walk <laughs> away, like every other monarchist. 
But never fear, dear listeners, Andy will be joining us for two of our Spooktober episodes, which starts next week. Are you all excited? Not sad, Airhorn. Not sad, Airhorn. And Andy will also be joining us in December for one of our Star Wars episodes. Pew, 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 pew. So you can look forward to that. Yeah. All right. Uh, so where can people find you, Tessa? You can find me online. Ugh. You can find me on Twitter at Swayla Tessa. Swayla is spelled S-W-E-H-L-A. You can also find me on my other podcast, Nanny Ogg's Book Club, where my friend Nigel and I are reading through all 41 of Terry Pratchett's Discworld novels. I think as of this episode's released, I will have just released the Fifth Elephant episode of Nanny Ogg's Book Club. You can find that podcast on Twitter at Nanny's Book Club and on Instagram at Nanny Ogg's Book Club. Where can people find you, Sam? You can find me on Twitter at Sam underscore Morris 9. You can find me on Twitter at Andy Noted. You can contact the contact crew for Tessa and Sam at uh, monkeyoffmybacklog at gmail.com or on Twitter and Instagram at monkeyoffmybacklog. Send us your thoughts about the monkeys we talked about today, what pop culture uh, you've crossed off your list. Uh, how do you feel about the... Uh, Toxic masculinity represented in high fidelity and how that can be better thought of. Um, just tell us what you want to, what you want Tessa and Sam to cover on future episodes. S- tell them when you want the next Andy assigns. Cause I'll come back for that too. Um, <laughs> you know, please rate review and subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, Amazon podcasts, uh, et cetera, wherever you get your fine podcasts. And please remember get that monkey off that backlog. <laughs>